Welcome to the Music Book Club, brought to you by Automatic Panic. In each episode, we choose an album, listen to it, and talk about it. I'm Andy Payne, with me is Azin Khan, and our guest today is the inimitable Jess Nicholson. Hi. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm, um, I've had a pretty eventful day. I was desperate to go get some cake from Lily Vanilli. Of course. Uh, lovely, gorgeously decorated cakes. Lots of wonderful complex flavors. Problem, located directly in the middle of Columbia Road Flower Market. So wandered up to the flower market because of COVID. They now limit how many people could go in at once. So the line was approximately around three different blocks just to get into the market. And I was like, I don't even want flowers. I'm just here for the cake. I don't really want to wait in this line. Um, and so I never got my cake. But then you brought chocolate seashells. And so I'm, I'm made up for my sugar rush. I'm, I'm more than covered. It's all good. Mm, it's a good dessert after fish and chips. Yeah, 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 fish and chips. Keep it by the sea. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Perfect. Everything <laughs> in the topic. same beat. <laughs> that really was an eventful day. I mean, in the last few months with all the lockdown and COVID and stuff, an eventful day for me is leaving the house. Oh, <laughs> yes. Like, Today was not only leaving the house, it was getting somewhere and realizing it's much too crowded to go in, which hasn't <laughs> happened in a very long time. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Like sometimes I watch a film nowadays. And then I see, it's like, uh, I was watching a Harry Potter and there was all of them crowding on the platform at Hogwarts and uh, at King's Cross. And it was like, COVID, it's not happening. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> not there. Stay home. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have nothing uh, good to add from my day. So, uh, today we're discussing Hosier's self-titled debut released in uh, 2014. If you haven't listened to it yet, press pause now... And go listen to it. Okay, now we can assume everyone is up to speed. How did you find it? I love this album. It came out around the time that I first got into sort of music production, as it were, sort of early into this kind of thing. And it was that and Daft Punk's Random Access Memories, Mm. which is a whole different kind of sound. (laughs) But they're both really well produced, and I remember... Um, the band that Andy and I were in before called What Came in the Smoke Machine. I remember I tried to use a lot of elements of the sound of Hosier's album on Midnight Getaway. I don't know if that if that was ever obvious, but that's what I was trying to do in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, so this is this is and there's a reason why it's on this list. Um, mm. I know Andy; it's one of his favorite albums. It's one of mine, and yeah, I think it's one of those. I was saying to you guys earlier that sometimes I don't even know what songs. Is called is which because I just sort of put it on as an album and listen all the way through and that, my favorite albums are always like that. Yeah, a lot of the albums that we've got on the list are that kind of you can just sit into them uh, and engage in that that feeling mm. um, as opposed to uh, what happens with most albums that I tend to listen to, which is I'll identify the good songs I like and then uh, put them in a different playlist and never listen to the whole album again. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Jess? Well, this one is a really interesting one for me because I basically only ever heard this album because of Andy Payne. Um, I distinctly remember wandering through Borough Market, looking for Raclette and saying, (laughs) I heard this song. I think it's called Take Me to Church. I didn't do a very close listening and I don't think I liked it very much. And you were like, no, it's brilliant. You've misinterpreted it. Haven't listened to it closely enough. You need to go back. And then I went back and I was like, actually, it is a really good song. And then it was a really good album. And then we went to go see him live together when he played in the garage. 
That's right. Yeah, that was a absolutely tiny gig. Given now that he is uh, one of the biggest uh, breakout artists of this decade, I think. Yeah. Um, looking at certainly looking at the Spotify numbers, he's the only artist who I regularly listen to who has over a billion plays on one song. A billion plays. Yeah. Taking me to church yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, most of the artists I listen to. I'm like, oh, 300 million. This is a huge artist, and you, mm. they've been around forever. Like uh, Kansas, uh, who right. I literally never listened to until this weekend. Uh, that, that's actually my find for this weekend is Kansas, and I realised I recognised the song. Had no idea who it was. I thought it was oh, so it was Take Me Home Wayward Son or no Carry On Wayward Son. Carry On My Wayward and Son. The production is amazing. So yeah. I thought it was quite a modern thing. And it's uh, some of this, some of this, or some of the seventies yeah. rock is really well made. Ooh. The drum sound is so modern. Yeah. On that. Anyway, that's a that's a. We'll do that in another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I um, I was going to ask actually whether I uh, had turned you on to Hosier when uh, been like, hey, do you like Hosier? Uh, my sister managed to get tickets to uh, the garage, which is the smallest gig he's played in years. Um, by this point, that must have been amazing. It, it was yeah. so good, and and it. I, you didn't introduce me to him for the gig. You had done that. You had laid the groundwork mm. unknowingly a few weeks before on our search for a clip. Very yes. important part of the story. Mm. And then by the time we went to the garage, I was like, <laughs> he is brilliant and I'm so excited. And I think like the thing is, even though it was such a small gig, there were loads of people on stage because he did bring like five people to sing all the choral parts <laughs> and like obviously the full band and then himself. But in the garage, which is quite mm. small, you felt like you could really see all the different pieces and how they fit together it's really exciting and so yeah it was a really good gig mm. um and that was yeah wouldn't have gone if it wasn't for your sister so that so thanks cat thanks cat <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's a shame with um i always think with um bigger artists is that when they start doing the big stadium shows you miss something i mean i know like it's an eco- economic necessity because you know if the guy can sell out a stadium then the you know the forces are gonna make that happen rather than playing small clubs like you have to actively as an artist if you want to play the small clubs you have to actively like fight it the whole sort of <laughs> machine if you like mm. um we, we i don't you know we we as a smaller band have the luxury of not having to worry about that no. uh, <laughs> um, i could never so, play a big venue. no, no, no we, we turn it down all the time uh, <laughs> so I, I think hosier in particular there's an intimacy to his music that mm really I think would get lost I mean we saw him um, I, I went with Andy we saw Hosier at the Hammersmith is it the Apollo Apollo or Odeon it used, <laughs> it used to, be to be called Odeon. The Odeon. it's now the Apollo yeah. okay so we saw him at the Apollo um, last year two years ago it's a couple of years two ago two years ago yeah what having, having thought it was the Brixton Academy and getting oh, food there and then yes. realising I forgot why are we in Brixton? <laughs> that was the question. Yeah, yeah we, we should have led with this story. So, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I, I know why we ended up at the Brixton Academy because Andy and I also went to see Clutch at the same time, like in the... Two, two weeks, weeks later, Two I weeks think, apart. Yeah. And I think we just assumed that both gigs were at the Brixton <laughs> Academy. So we turned up, all of us are there. Uh, was it, no, was it just you and me? My or sister came as well. Yeah, so we yeah. were all there. And then we started looking at the tickets. Because we were like lining up and we we're thinking, Hosier is playing, where is everybody? Yeah. And I think there was another show that night. But we we're sort of looking around and we're like, these aren't Hosier fans, for sure. Like sometimes, you know, you can just yeah. tell from a crowd. Uh, <laughs> we looked at our tickets and it was Hammersmith Follow. <laughs> so we totally missed the support band. Though, yeah, yeah, we, but we just totally blanked on them. We just zoomed, like, hopped on the tube. <laughs> oh my God. Straight up there. <laughs> 
Oh, that was man. Uh, that was fun. We managed to f- still managed to find a good spot. We did squeeze we, our way to the f- we kind of somewhere near yeah, the front. Yeah, worked along the wall and then got this like just little mm. uh, where it kind of folds in and then yeah. That's good in the Hammersmith Apollo mm. because I think like out of all the venues I've ever been, that is the place where I've had the most difference when I'm sitting up in the stands versus oh, being on the ground. Yeah. I saw Cage the Elephant there up in the stands and I couldn't hear a single thing. Like you couldn't Ooh. hear the vocals. It was just oh, really? really, really oh. odd. So back to Hosier, what, what kind of feeling does it give you when you're listening to it? For me, it really depends on which song. Um, so Jackie and Wilson gives me a very distinct feeling of being in an American chintzy airport getting ready to come back to the UK because no matter what happens every time I fly back from seeing my parents in Myrtle Beach to come back Jackie and Wilson will play at least three times in the airport when I'm waiting for my flight so it's normally like Rod Stewart Jackie and Wilson and then a journey song and then a couple of other like random ones and then Jackie and Wilson will come on again and I think um it's a really interesting one because I think generally the album feels quite like moody and dark, but you know, it's, it's, it, you wouldn't associate it with like, there's your like subway and your McDonald's and your pizza hut <laughs> yeah. and now Hozier's playing, but there's something about Jackie Wilson in, in and of itself where mm. it's got those really kind of light, like kind of riffs in the beginning and such that kind of really nice driving melody that is yeah like quite bright in places it really is like it mm. like i was saying um you could take that guitar riff and give a slightly different sound and it's like an eight sort of 90 sort of pop rock type thing like um what did i say earlier it was hansen or maybe even like alanis morissette this sort of gives this kind of thing yeah but it's really dark and moody and this is why this is how hosier is so good this whole album has such a cohesive sound that you can take elements from basically anything and it still sounds like him and I think that's what's building on that, like, because Jackie Wilson has that kind of poppy sound and then you'll have, obviously, Take Me to Church and that feels quite, you know, more dark and you've got some, like, songs with church choruses. Mm. But then you've got, um, is it, uh, at one point there's the clapping in From Eden. Kind of in from Eden. mariachi sort of. Yeah, like, to me, flamenco. it's like, kind of yeah. It's, yeah. I want to be an American, almost. Like, <laughs> it is that. <laughs> with, like, one or two notes different. And yeah. you're like... But at the same time, even though every song is so different, he's got that really nice, moody, tender, though, like thread running through it. So it feels like it's the same album. And that's such a unique quality, I think, from him. So but what also that also means is that depending on when you get me on individual songs, Mm -hmm. I'll have a very distinct feel because even though it's got that that kind of cohesive vibe, you'll get that kind of emotional undercurrent or like that hidden flavor that Mm -hmm. For example, could be, oh, I'm coming home to the UK now, mm. even sitting in front of the Pizza Hut, <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting to fly. <laughs> I had, um, uh, the, around the first time uh, that I was listening to the album fully, uh, I spent uh, a lot of evenings driving around uh, Oxfordshire, uh, often at night and often in uh, changeable weather. So there was this idea of that kind of like dark roads, uh, there's no lights anywhere, and it's a bit. You know, the weather is not not happy weather uh, at all. That the album really um, played to, and then those uh, once you're in that setting, also then the the change in the songs, like Jackie Wilson, as you say, is maybe a little 
uh, nicer, uh, into a lighter rather. Um, and then you can get very oppressive, like a take me to church. It sounds like a guy in an abandoned church. Mm. Um, into I don't know if that's um, uh, was it nominative determinism, like where you you just that's what you imagine because of the name of the song and the way mm. that they uh, mm. just because there's reverb on there. Mm. And then, but I mean that's uh, that's part of the idea, isn't it? Yeah. Like, um, for, for me, the 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 album has a similar thing because I listen to it a lot in the car as well. <laughs> and it came, if I'm not mistaken, I think it came out later in the year. Maybe September, or at least that—that's around the sort of time I bought it. So I listened to it a lot that winter, and <laughs> yeah. so it was dark. And it's and it's raining, and you're driving through the kind of. It's a really, really, it's really fitting music. It's <laughs> it's amazing how. Um, I think there's something about car windscreens. I was looking through the car windscreen as like a widescreen experience, that it makes the music that you're listening to instantly cinematic in this way, mm. and it's like an opening of a movie, and each different album is its own different sort of vista. Um, I, so uh, I had a similar experience when I went to, on holiday to Iceland last year. I'm listening to, obviously listening to Sigurós because you kind of have to, <laughs> like, <laughs> like driving through Iceland. But it really fits. And I found Biffy Claro as well. just mm. has this like epicness to it that when you're looking through this at this amazing landscape, just fits. Yeah. And Hosier's album was similar in that... Um, you're you're probably lashing you're getting lashed down with rain and you're um and you can just sort of see it's it's murky if you know what i mean and the music sounds itself quite murky it's sort of it doesn't have a lot of top end and it's it doesn't have a lot of distinct elements that you can necessarily pick out in the big bits um like in jackie wilson or in the chorus in take me to church there's just a lot going on there's vocals there's maybe synthesizers and organs and um guitars and who knows what else and it just it's it adds to that murkiness and so the two really it's a very um it's like a dark swirl mm. and that's why driving through the rain just fits we were having a little conversation just before uh recording uh, about how um, you can't tell sometimes it's backing vocals or organ or a synthesizer there there's just this like this ethereal uh kind of backing sound that's there and it's and it's that um not worrying too much about the uh parts necessarily when you're it's about the the feeling that they're making mm. um and the harmonies are very intricate and unusual as well i find it hard mm. to partly because of that sort of murky sound that we that i mentioned but also just because they're they don't seem to be the standard kind of like third above third below or something like this kind of thing that's there's really they're quite interesting things going on and i'd have to sit there with like a piano if I figure it out myself I think well it's really interesting because um I sing in a choir and we did take me to church and it's in some ways almost done for you like normally like my choir master will be like okay we really need to like take this like well you did a ha take on me Mm. and he turned it into like a lullaby with a swing beat and everything because it's like we have to do something to make sure that it works for a choir Mm. with take me to church it's almost like when we sing it it's almost the same because there's already so much yeah it already is extremely choral piece of music and so i got so much depth there as Mm. well already um but also now gets me very confused because um our choir director's name is amen so a lot of times in take me to church instead of saying amen i'll just sing (laughs) 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 i'm singing directly to you i'm hitting your parts right thank you um but it's but it's but it's really but yeah it was so easy to translate because of that mm. depth and that richness. Mm. Mm. And the it's an interesting one as well because of the uh, 
even the the rhythms are not what you're expecting them to be. So in the chorus, for example, the uh, vocal part is swung for the most, uh, with lots of kind of going on. And the, underneath the drums are dead straight. <laughs> and so you're kind of going this like a... Uh, hold on, that doesn't sound quite right. And the point, the mo- the, the point, the penny drop uh, for me was when uh, we saw it live at the garage for the first time in a live setting. Drums are always louder, uh, and because uh, they're quite, uh, they're pushed back in the mix uh, on the record. Definitely take me to church. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the album, it's the drums are quite up front, but yeah, exactly. that song, they're sort of somewhere off in the distance. And then when you hear it live with that, you're kind of going, hold on, that's not the rhythm I was expecting, like or the the emphasis that your body gets, because obviously it's. Ultimately, it's a solo artist with this full instrumentation in the background that sounds like a, a proper band. So it, it's, it, it skirts that line between like the voice having to be the prominent instrument, but actually the stuff that's going with it is really interesting as well. And I like that. I like that intricate feeling of like you know he's a once in a generation voice. I think. Um, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that too much. Maybe just my no, own. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> he has a really great voice. Oh, and and the way he uses it in the, the song compositions and the the, yeah. the the lines that he's doing are, are fantastic. But yeah. I think that is the interesting thing about the writing, isn't it? So um, this has been on my mind a lot because it's basically my dissertation. So <laughs> if you give me one moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but like so much of what we sense is based off what we expect because we have so many different inputs all the time that if you were just sitting there trying to cognitively process everything in one go, you can't do it. So your expectations shape like most of what you see and your brain has an expectation and it matches and it doesn't really pay that much attention. It's just like, yeah, it matches, matches. Mm-hmm. But what's really nice about this is it lays that expectation and then switches it. And actually in your brain, that's what creates the interest because it's not what you expect. And then your brain goes, oh, what's that? And then you have to devote loads more energy mm. to paying attention to that. And like, and just cognitively, it gets your attention in a really simple way in your brain. And I think that is what's so nice about it. Like I find it a little bit with, um, uh, oh, I'm going to check my track list for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about that. But um, Hi- hijacking sort of, sorry, what I was going to say was um, in pop music, they do this a lot as well. They there, even though the music might be repetitive and kind of bland, if you listen carefully to a well-made pop song, it usually has these kinds of uh, expectation inversions, if you like, where it, it sort of sets a pattern for the first two courses and it does something, you know, just adds another beat in a rest maybe yeah. and things like that. And it just is designed to make the listener carry on listening. Um, that, that song structure is an A, B, A, B, C. Partly, but it's, but it's not even a strong structure. It's just like... it. They'll put something in like a bar. They'll just drop out a snare, mm-hmm. mute, mute this, or do simple things like that. And I think, I mean, the cynical part of me says it's done largely to game the kind of plays um, on streaming services. Because if you do this kind of stuff early on in the song, people are more likely to carry on listening. And like the first twenty seconds, apparently, are all the matter in this kind of world. Um, this is all, I guess, separate from say Hosier. You know, Hosier's <laughs> stuff kind of often has a is more traditional songwriting, if you like. It sort of starts one place and it moves somewhere else rather than mm. trying to grab you in the first um, few seconds just artificially. I completely agree. But ironically, the one point I was going to make is actually about a song where it changes kind of <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. Because I think yeah. like, what I always find is like in a week, I think, mm. he sets up with a nice like... Doo, 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 and then he comes in and his vocals do match it, but not quite. And I, mm. immediately I'm like... Hmm? 
<laughs> and then and then it goes on that journey and you're like yes yeah, so i kind of i want to keep going with you on this journey because it's it's laying an expectation and changing yeah. it and doing this mm. and doing these twists and he, but he's, he's really clever in that he he especially in a week he um he lays a foundation for that kind of twist if you like that even the guitar part that comes in it's um it's fairly dissonant in a way if i'm not if i'm not mistaken it's like a seventh or something and it's just mm. that kind of thing waiting to be resolved it's not. It's not like he just comes in on a big minor chord or a big major chord or something simple like that. It's got something hanging, waiting for the vocal to come in and sort of <laughs> put you at ease, if you like. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's really nicely done when he does things like that. And his, you know, if you listened to the lyrical themes and the sound is maybe, you know, as Andy was saying earlier, that at times is oppressive. It's impressive that you never really feel overwhelmed by that. I think it'd have been very easy for a lesser artist to make all that material very morose, and after a while, you would get a bit kind of. You, at some point, you'd want to play something else because it's just getting a little <laughs> bit too much. Hosier has this um, real. It's something about not just the lyrics themselves, which are often clever but simple in their own way. That they're they're quite, I think, authentic. Maybe is the word is in the sense that he's not necessarily trying to write. Sometimes you can tell when. When people are trying to write flowery poetry in their songs, I know, I know when I'm doing it. I sort of look at it and go, Ugh. Um, yeah, when you come back to it a month later, yeah, exactly, or like yeah. years later, and I look through my like, lyrics book and I go, I thought this was a good idea at the time. I'm glad we didn't make this into a song. Uh, um, whereas his is what I like about it is it's generally fairly simple language rather than floweriness, but he has very direct metaphors, you mm. know, about being a corpse or being dug up and things like that, and it sounds very dark. But there's something about his. The exact phrasing he uses and his delivery There's, is incredibly sort of tender. And I was saying to Jess earlier when, when you were out getting our pizzas, is that I think the Irish accent also, for me at least, sells it somehow. It, the, it, the stereotypes sometimes make themselves. Like the way that I view him in terms of the writing process, like if you're going to make a, a dramatized story of it, you'd kind of go, right, he's the Irish folk singer who's doing a tour of churches and then... Has a massive he, rock band with him. Uh, yeah, and after the first couple of episodes, he meets this uh, uh, rock band from the middle of the US <laughs> who are just like, we can't get a flight home. And he's like, well, why don't you come with me? I'm doing a tour. Like, <laughs> you've got your instruments. Well, the script basically writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, um, we're selling that to anyone who is interested, so uh, do get in touch. Automaticpanicband at gmail.com. Um, so uh, the, but I was going to say on on that point of um, the way that he chooses very dark subject matters, but doesn't make it morose. Like also the other side of it as well, where he takes sometimes light subject matters, like oh a nice relationship, and then he goes all right, but it's uh, failing, and I'm falling in love with someone else. Uh, and so like being able to choose the uh, a subject matter or a feeling or a mood, and then. Uh, investigating the differences, the nuances of the emotion around it is that um, something that I think he captures a lot on uh, this album. And I think is what makes it so relatable. Yes. So like, um, so like, for example, like From Eden, right? Yes. Has some <laughs> crazy dark lines. Yes. Like, um, but I think I read a an- open hand. Yeah. The man to hang from a tree. <laughs> totally. And then it like, calls on and it sort of hangs in the reverb and it sounds kind of janky because he's like goes tree and then 
the old note is still hanging in the reverb. Mm. Yeah. And it just sort of sits with it. And you're like, well, <laughs> that escalated. <laughs> but, but then it's also about being like willing to play in that space. So I think I read in a, I think I read in an article that he was like, I just thought it'd be interesting to write a song as if I was the snake from Eden. Mm. But yeah, exactly. kind of, but kind of in a relate, but you know, kind of interested in you. So what would the snake actually do? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd hope that your other person hung themselves. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, but I'm just going to enjoy that and mm. like rejoice in that. Cause I'm not taking it from that kind of emotionally judgmental standpoint necessarily. Mm. Um, but then on the other hand, like real people do, which is my favorite song on the album, mm. I think is so relatable because it is a, it is a love story, but there's that part where it's like, I should probably be questioning why you were digging in the dirt. Why, why, why are you a grave drop robber? Like, that, that should probably, that's something I should be thinking about. I, I like the metaphor, you know, it's a simple one, but it's, you know, it's, it, to me, it's like somebody sort of being resurrected, right? It, it's a kind of, I, I think to me, the song is um, lyrically sort of set post some massive breakup kind of situation. And then somebody mm. new comes along. It's almost the other side of, yeah. Um, uh, the, what's the name of the song? The in a week. No, no, the somebody. Somebody new. Somebody new. There we go. Someone new. Someone new. Someone new. See, I told you I always get that one wrong because <laughs> we had a song called someone else once. And yes, <laughs> like, and there's, okay. there's so many songs that are like somebody to love. Somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit like someone new, yeah. <laughs> and um, but it's a sort of other side of that. It's saying you know how you've it sort of builds this big metaphor about. You know, I was a sort of dead body and you brought me back. He, um, but it's it's so extreme. You know, he takes, that's what I like. He just goes there and he says, not only was I sort of, you pulled me out of the depths, you literally dug me out of the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then also like, and then it's like, and I'm really happy and let's let's behave like we're in love. But also I should probably be concerned. And like, what? I am a zombie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but at the same time, that's, that is what makes it relatable. Like, I think if, like, we all know songs that are like typical cheesy wedding songs that like, I don't know if you've seen The Wedding Planner with Jennifer Lopez, but she'll like judge how long people's marriages last based off how cheesy the wedding song is. And like, right, okay. that someone was like, Olivia Newton-John, I honestly love you. And she was like, two weeks, like, two <laughs> weeks you will last. And it's like, where the joy of that is like, who hasn't been in a relationship at one point where you're like, actually, is, is this right? Or what was your past? Or what's your baggage that's bringing? What's my baggage mm. I'm bringing? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he leads to it, but in such a beautiful way is what makes it so like, you could really relate to that metaphor and you really relate to the music and it's not just maudlin and it's not just happy. It's that real kind of human. I've got a really human feel about this. That, that's mm. so universal. Yeah. It, it's sort of, in a way he, he never really tells you what to feel or how he's feeling almost. He just describes things that happen. And it's it's the things that you, and this is this is the thing I've meant about like being authentic and not having flowery language, <laughs> is that quite often what you choose to describe about a certain situation it tells you everything you need to know about what how people feel about it. Yeah, and there's only one point on the album where I think I disagree, and it's okay. one of my favorite new facts, <laughs> because at the beginning of "To Be Alone." There's the line about like, I've never feel too good in crowds with mm. like people braying yeah. anthems of rape culture where you're like, oh, that's whatever. And mm. apparently that was directly in response to Blurred Lines yeah. by Adam Thicke. it was the same year. Uh, no, Robin Thicke, Robin Thicke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Adam yeah. Thicke, Robin Thicke. But yeah. That was his dad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which I love because I feel like that's, like every time that song comes out in public, I'm like, oh. 
oh, it's so catchy, but actually also the song is terrible. Yeah, I know, it's a shame because they, they, it is it's like the actual music itself is absolutely shout- banging, even though it's still stolen from Got to Give It Up. But yeah. Shout to uh, Weird Al Yankovic for making uh, a version that we can all listen to with yes. these incredible word crimes. Um if you again, if you haven't if you haven't listened to Weird Al, honestly, we could do an entire season of this just looking over individual Weird Al. Well. <laughs> could and I will. Just, just Andy <laughs> in a room with a mic. A <laughs> um, I was going to um, uh, say uh, a couple of things, so I'm going to try and remember them. Uh, I think on the wedding songs. Uh, Thing did we not do a wedding where you played cherry wine? Yes. So when my gra- about, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when my grandparents they did a ceremony to kind of renew their, their marriage, and one of the I think when they were leaving, because I was obviously made DJ and I was sort of standing in the corner next to the we were in the registry mm-hmm. office, um, sort of uh, doing the music, and I put on cherry wine because it's a really beautiful song and. <laughs> Uh, the only person in the room who was like, why are you playing this song? Was Andy. Because I know that nobody else really pays attention to the lyrics and wouldn't necessarily know the song. Um, because obviously it's very dark. You know, it's effectively about domestic abuse. Um, but yeah, I went there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's testament to how good the music is that uh, you don't need to listen to the lyrical content too much to still enjoy it. Yeah. In the context of a wedding mm. and... You know, attention not really exactly, on the music. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but Just a bit of guitar in the background. So I think the point that you were making before, it almost fits there because it's like his most tender, mm. like vocal. It's like really like I'm, I'm putting all my emotion into this. And if you're at a wedding, not paying attention, <laughs> you hear nice like ooh, acoustic mm. guitar, lovely, dun, 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 and dun, nice dun, vocal. Dun, dun, and yeah, and that, that's why I played it. So. An emotion <laughs> in the vocal. There's so much love in that vocal. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And then I could imagine being the person who's like, I just caught the lyrics. Does anyone else know these are the lyrics? <laughs> but, oh. but you see, the thing, the thing is that the, the, the lyrics are so, not vague, but it's not so direct that even if you're, like, you have to actually just be doing nothing else and listen to it and go, okay, I get it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, well, it, I think- it, In the context where we were playing it, yeah, but it's like you were saying about um, it's kind of statements of like the little clippets of statements of what's happened. There's no emotion. No, not, yeah. not, sorry, not emotion. There's no um, uh, like it's not directly internal. Not telling you what to feel. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. It's just about like it, it's what uh, there's a reference to what his mum said to mm. him as a reference to open, open hand or closed fist. Yeah. And then you kind of like you make your inferences from but, there. But, at the point, but yeah. because it just says open hand or closed fist mm. would be fine. It doesn't directly mm. say that you're hitting me with it. Yeah. It could be <laughs> anything else, you know, holding mm. something or um there if you just call that line in isolation you wouldn't necessarily mm. know uh that that's what it it means. Obviously if you listen to the verses mm. it, it, it's it's elaborated upon in more detail but um, that's one of the great things about his writing is that he's always alluding it's very literary in that sense he's always alluding to things mm. in a non-obvious way but in a way that's also not pretentious which is a real real this is this is his own thread yeah. to yeah because yeah. mm. you can easily be really pretentious yeah. um, if you let, if you let yourself trying to be sort of clever in this way and I, I, listening to his stuff I I often hear like what he's going for and even the illusions that he's making um, like uh made sick and commanded to be well is something that Christopher Hitchens always used to say in his debates um, with religious enthusiasts, if you like. And 
uh, I think Hozier said so in public as well, but I, when I first heard that, I knew it was this reference. And it's, but it's a very simple kind of statement rather than, and it's actually very nice and lyrical. So it's, it makes an easy, <laughs> easy thing to put in there. And Hitchens was very good at this kind of thing. Um, and uh, somehow it doesn't, it never seems pretentious to me, just to sum it up. Maybe maybe some people can't stand it and they think it's horrendously pretentious. But. There's a little. There's, there's there are also bits uh, like that with the music itself. One of the things he does, I think, really well on this album in particular is thread uh, random time signature uh, inclusions um, a four four section into uh, a six four with a bigger backbeat. So you don't really notice it. So you get the one and a half times slower feel, and then it ramps up again. Uh, which song is it? Um, this is uh, to be alone with you, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah, and there's this like huge backbeat in the six four bit, which you only notice really if you're counting because it's so slow and there's nothing on the uh, other uh, mm. quarter notes during that. Uh, and then from Eden, which we've already talked about, is a beautiful swung five uh, four track. But I didn't even realize it was five four until yeah. I tried to work out how to play yeah, the, the clap bit. And then you're suddenly going, "Hold on, that's not that's not in four. <laughs> what?" And 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 that's. Uh, it's also that is so unexpected that it's in five, and that's one of the reasons why when it's on, I pay so much attention to it because uh, you know I've listened to it enough that I can sing along perfectly and drum along now uh, really well. But I'm never counting it's five uh, formally, which you just you just don't because get it's in so popular music. It's effortless. Yes, that's exa- the thing. exactly. It, and sometimes when you hear things that are in um, odd time signatures, non sort of an uncommon yeah. time signature, it sounds like. They've thought about doing it first and then mm. try to write something that fits in a time signature. Exactly. Mm. You often hear that. Whereas whenever Hosier changes time signature or uses an uncommon one, you, mm. you almost don't notice because it just flows with the music. Yeah, exactly. It's, wow. uh, it's from one feel into the next feeling or yeah. a slight modification of that. And yeah. it's, uh, it, it is you know, something which uh, a lot of bands have never worked out how to do. I mean, t- t- entire... Take Me to Church changes time signature quite a few times mm. um, if you listen to it. Um, carefully, there are sort of odd bars here and there. Not there are. I don't think there are extended sections necessarily, but I don't think the whole thing is in one time signature. But you'd never really notice. No, just sort of. Yeah, you could easily listen to that whole album and never actually question. Hold on, where is the? Yeah. Where where is this? Uh, I think partly of part of its popularity. I think is because of how well he does things like that. Because I think most people who are listening to to music aren't really looking out for that. They just. They, they're feeling it more than sort of listening to it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I feel like you get two different people. You get people who are feeling the music and they're, you don't necessarily get a lot of it, but then Hoja does it really well. And then you get like math core where that's like <laughs> all they want to hear. But yeah. then it's so obvious that it doesn't... It's a bit it, academic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where this is such a natural... Um, I think like... It's always in the service of the song. Exactly. The, and mm-hmm. I think it gives it a really like earthy feel where things are changing like the lyrics are like the lyrics are quite earthy anyway and the sound is quite like deep and earthy but then also it gives you a really natural like changing like like almost like in a natural way just like yeah, nature would it's organic it's really, yeah, right. yeah that's that's the word <laughs> it's organic but yeah it is and it feels really good because of that mm-hmm. yeah it, exactly if you if you go back to the classical pieces properly they have time changes all yeah. the way through them mm-hmm. and you because he does something very similar it's yeah. just part it, of the it, music it, it, and, and it's and it's all in the service of the feel that you're supposed to have while you're you're listening to it i think that's it i think that there's a really clear aesthetic and there's a really clear like this is what i want them this is what i want people to feel during this song 
this is what I want it to sound like. So it gets that feeling. And then everything I do is going to be in service of that. Mm. But through everything, part of it's the time signature, but then part of it's also like, like cherry wine, how am I going to sing this? Or like, um, for me, like we were talking, when we were chatting about to be alone before, mm. it's like, he never goes wild, wild. <laughs> like yeah. there's always that restraint, which makes the mm. song feel primal and like, really like, Oh, I know you're capable of losing it, but I don't know when you're going yeah. to do it. And that fits the song so well where he's, it's knowing like, this is the feeling I want to do. And so every single thing from the time change, the instruments I'm using, how loud I'm singing, how loud this instrument is, is going to be tuned to create that yeah. feeling that I want from you. And it's a genius bit of restraint. I was saying, like, if it were an automatic panic song, I think I would be really tempted at the end <laughs> to do the last one, like massive with massive guitars and so on. And I, and I think you're right, that would undermine the song a little bit. Um, and it's something that I think we can learn from from To Be Alone uh, is that he just keeps a lid on it, but only just. You, yeah. know, you can just feel that it's going to blow at any moment, but it never does. Um, and that's what keeps you engaged throughout the whole song. Mm. The most unsatisfying arena song ever, <laughs> which I think is hilarious because he like does like the braying rape culture bit. Then he's got the, which is like so like, yeah. like you can imagine people being in a room, yeah, yeah. like shouting it's that. A big, like, it almost does like a stadium anthem thing. Yeah. It doesn't do it in that sort of Coldplay way, like where it just goes up. Yeah. It, it's, it's always just slightly muted. Exactly, which is why it can't be one, which is why I'll never get there quite, but yeah. that's kind of the point. And yeah. it's like, so good. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I also get a feeling that Monsieur <laughs> is so like talented. I'm not even sure if he thinks it through that much. He just sort of writes that way. Yeah. Maybe he does. I, I, I have no idea. But um, if I remember correctly, there's a Sound on Sound article um, that we can put in the links if we, in our, in our stuff, which is actually quite interesting to, to read for all the audio nerds. And... Um, what what's cool is that the producer I forget his name now it'll come to me later but um, used an actual for like the reverb on uh, Take Me to Church and many many of the other songs he used a an actual spring reverb so it's like a little box mm. it has a spring running across the top you feed the audio in and it makes a spring spring vibrate and then you sort of feed the thing back that's how guitar amps you know often have yeah. exactly that inside but this unit i actually looked it up and i was like i really want this yeah <laughs> it's, it's got the str- spring on the top and it just sort of it's amazing how good the reverb sounds throughout the whole thing like it's uh it, you don't normally you wouldn't normally just comment on like the quality of a reverb through uh, an album but it is it's tasteful all the way through but it's really heavy as yeah well. and heavy yeah because like normally the, like that would that would really wet implications on of, the quality of yeah. the sound or you're listening but, but somehow it just fits yeah. it doesn't have that mm-hmm. like hissy kind of shitty quality that the <laughs> ET stuff had because I think digital reverbs are new then it didn't necessarily sound very good you can hear the sort of hissiness I, of I think that's reverbs. what I really hate about 80s music I would give it much more of a chance if I could uh, yeah. so, so I mean, some, back, some of the good yeah. stuff if you listen to it doesn't have that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but some of the less good stuff at least the <laughs> stuff that hasn't aged as well yeah. maybe or is really like uh, of its time has that sort of super high trebly kind of reverb which is not yeah. very good this is very wet but it it just works it sounds it's like a nice church you know uh, as we were saying earlier yes exactly yeah um, it just works 10 out of 10 good album yeah <laughs> very happy with that anything that you uh, had thoughts on and hadn't been able to say Jess no I think I I think I covered everything I wanted to do I feel like there should be like a really good ending question, but like something also semi-ridiculous. Like, uh, best song, your favorite song. Ah, uh, I mean, mine would be 
like real people do. Mm-hmm. I just think beautiful. Yeah, good song. As in? This is really hard. Because <laughs> like I said, it's like one piece to me. Mm. I do like Jackie and Wilson a lot. Um, but maybe in a week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for From Eden. I knew you were going to go for that. That's why I didn't go for it. one of mine. That's a good one to end on. Thank you for joining us, Jess. No, it was an honour and a pri- privilege. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, so I will be uh, soon launching a LinkedIn blog uh, mm. all about neuroscience, uh, applying it to the world of work. If you enjoyed my random tips about music listening and neuroscience, <laughs> then maybe you'll like the blog. Um, but yeah, that, that's it for me. I mean, the other thing is I'm, I am going to put forward now that I'd like to have it on record that I'm probably your biggest groupie and I'm always the first to respond to anything automatic. So I do want to make a little clarity as to the uh, slight differences in American and British language uh, oh. here where groupie uh, does not mean the same in Britain as it does in the US. <laughs> so maybe maybe it's just me I'm misunderstanding. For me... Um. A fan. fan. I'm yes. a biggest fan. Right. There we go. Fine, there just leave go. it there. I wish you would have told me that before when I used the word oh, groupie, because no, then I wouldn't have... To make it clear to um, uh, Both our, our partners, yeah. <laughs> uh, that oh, uh, no. Jess is not a groupie. <laughs> you probably also need to make that clear for Ben as well. I'm sorry, Ben, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh. Not that kind of podcast. <laughs> Uh, as in anything you want to plug? Uh, well, there's automatic panic stuff coming out. Oh, yeah. Um, I know so, those guys. Yeah, they're okay. So we did a live stream back in July of 2020, and we're slowly, slowly bringing out more of the recordings from that. So we released Marionette, and I think the next one is uh, the other song that we released this year, uh, Nobody Told Me. It may actually already be out by the time we uh, yeah. release this yeah. podcast yeah. but we'll see you know mm. um, lots of exciting stuff so uh, including great. some uh, well commissioned covers ah yes yeah yeah, yeah I definitely mm. gave you a really good one yeah. yes I... you did yes good <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, thank you uh, very much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, We have been the Music Book Club, and we will see you again on the next episode, which uh, I tried to predict uh, on the last episode, and uh, it turns out it's going to have the same guest, so that's going to look really weird, so we might uh, mix up the order. We'll see. All right, see you next time. Let us know what you think in the comments. Rate us five stars, because that's what you have to do, I think, if you listen to the whole of the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 I've had too much tea. I'll be right back.